lovely Articu film listeners. Now, sadly, Charlotte is ill tonight, so you have just got me and the lovely Jacob. Oh, hello, Ben. I loved your intro then. I feel like you should take over from me, lovely listeners. Hello, lovely listeners. Uh, We've got a cracking pod coming up for you today. We're going to be reviewing Raya and the Last Dragon, Eddie Murphy in Coming to America. And uh, did you watch that royal interview? It's literally been the biggest thing on TV in a long time. We're going to be discussing that right here on the Articu Film Podcast. Plus, literally hours before recording this, here's Morgan has announced he has quit. Good morning britain where will he go well ben's got a hot take on that all that and more coming up on today's rte film podcast ben what are we starting with my man and also sorry ben before we start this is so weird because i can't see you i your can't video and your wi-fi is so bad so i can't see you we don't have the visual cues uh, this week yeah so if you um listen to last week's podcast i'm sorry about the ending because i'm at a university and i live in a huge flat uh, with literally a apartment block with like 400 people in the wi-fi is appalling so i've had to turn the camera off me and jacob can't see each other anyway no imagine sorry imagine if charlotte was here then i don't think we'd be able to get through it so maybe it's a good thing she's ill although we do laugh around the podcast then what are we starting with today mate uh we're starting with raya and the last dragon which is the new disney animated film they've put it under their premier access thing for 20 quid um, Which I, I I spoke about this last time Disney did this. I think it's actually piss take, to be honest with you. You don't see Netflix doing this. But hey ho, you subscribe to Disney Plus. Can you watch everything? No, only twenty quid for this film. I mean, like Mulan oh, was ben, definitely it is a not. Take. It is a piss take. Mulan was definitely not worth twenty quid. Um, this was made for cinemas. It has a budget made for cinemas, and it was never promised. And Disney do need to recoup their money on this film, which I don't think they will have, and I think it's probably gone down badly. But um, anyway, which is a shame, because it is a really good film. It's set a long time ago in the fantasy world of Kumandru, where humans and dragons live together in harmony until some evil forces made the dragons kill themselves for humans. And now 500 years later, a lone warrior, Rhea, tries to track down the last dragon to restore... Kumandru as one nation instead of five fractures and along the journey she learns to trust herself more and teamwork and trust and stuff now I really like this film it may be a kind of simple fairy tale we've seen it you know the outline you know where it's going to end where evil's gone good's triumph and there's some dragons flying around the air but the movie does feel fresh and that's kind of due to the fact it has uh, Rhea and her dragon Susu, uh, played by Aquafina and Kelly Marie Tran. Um, and it's the first time these films have really been completely female-fronted, not just a princess and a prince there to rescue her. And the Asian cast and the East Asian influences also really make this film interesting. But considering there's so much history on it, it doesn't feel heavy or stilted or like that stuff's put in there for no just to be cynical um i do love the way the disney princess brand's evolving to be more representational of girls all around the world um tiana mulan uh moana are such good modern classic princesses and ray is a brilliant example of how the trope of the princess can still grow and still become amazing and it's 
It's a splendid showcase for Tran, who's a brilliant voice actress. She gets a lot of hate after the Star Wars film she did, uh, The Last Jedi, but I think she's amazing in this. Um, the duo between her and Aquafina, it's inventive, it's endearing. They don't have... Aquafina Susu is funny, but she'll never hit the likes of Robin Williams' genie. Um, it's not that kind of thing. But otherwise, this film's a mature tale, but it's a vibrant world for kids and parents alike. If you've got a family of four, 20 quid on this film I don't think is a bad deal. I think it's certainly much better. And if you did watch it... I mean, it, I've, I've, I can't even comprehend to you how frustrating and cheeky and what in my opinion it's like insulting people's intelligence you pay for intelligence you pay for something and have to pay more for it i personally think it's ridiculous uh, ben i'm a little bit confused though nick yeah is it 20 quid for the disney plus premium access or 20 quid for the film and this film is on premium access what is it it's 20 quid for the one film um yeah. i paid 20 quid and i i'm not sure if my family back home have watched it because we're all on the same account but I didn't feel shortchanged. So it is really an excellent... Did you watch it for work or would you have watched it anyway? Um, I watched it for the pod. I probably... Right. I don't think I would have watched it anyway until it came on free. But um, that... Is it going to come on for free? Yes, it comes on for free in a couple of months. It is a magnificent film and it is really beautiful. And for right. families, I, um, I really like the um, how Disney are really uh, embracing the twenty first century society that we live in. I really like that. Yeah. Um, well, you know, we how many films have we seen with like East Asian influences um, that are kind of specifically like Malaysian influences and Thai influences? I mean, in my opinion, the first show to do this, kids show to do this, was Jesse which is a Disney program on Disney Channel a few years ago. Do you know that? Do you know what I'm on about, Ben? No, I wasn't a Disney Channel kid. Wasn't a Disney Channel kid. Honestly, they... Oh, no, that that really, in my opinion, set the way. But I'm really glad that Disney are now going in this um, direction with their animated films. You mentioned the Star Wars actress. You know, she obviously... She... Her character from The Last Jedi was hated on. Yeah, and lots but of people like took to that out acting, on Tram. Her acting, I feel, was great. You know, she just had little to nothing to work with, and the, it was just terrible writing. I mean, if you're a regular listener to the pod, she, pod, you will know how much I despise the, the sequels, and I just think they shat all over George Lucas's work. But I think all the cast in those uh, in those sequels were great, and they did... The best, their best to work with what little they were given. Yeah, and it's it's almost a shame that I'm looking at it now, and it's I'm not sure if this has anything to do with it, but it's the two women in the cast who are struggling to get high profile roles. I mean, Kelly Marie Tran's getting voice acting, but it's not done a physical role since. Um, I think it's the last well, Jedi. Daisy the Ridley's one. now on MasterChef, you know. Yeah, date. Well, to be fair, James McAvoy's also done Celebrity Bake Off this year. Like in the pandemic, that's a show you can do. Right. Like yeah. they've they've managed to, and you see it with Celebs Go to um the Circle tonight, which has a good cast and stuff like Strictly is oh, a good for cast. That. Ricky Haywood Williams, Melvin O'Dean, I yeah. love them. Love but Thompson. Lots of these celebrity shows had much better groups of celebrities than they could have possibly hoped for. Um, yeah, like the I'm a Celeb lineup was quite strong, wasn't it? The most recent one, I thought. 
yeah, that's just a byproduct of the pandemic and people not being able to work their normal jobs as much. Um, yeah. And I hope Daisy Ridley gets tons of roles in the future. She is I a... think she's a great actress. Again, I felt like it was her character was badly written. They didn't have a clear direction for the character. Daisy Ridley in the last movie of, um, of, the, of the sequels, when she was filming it, they still hadn't filmed and decided what the back-end storyline was for her character. How was she meant to do a good job when she has fuck-all idea about what's going to happen to her character? Well, the problem was uh, the fact that people were so brutal about The Last Jedi, even though it's a great film, and lots of people really enjoy it. I do think it's a small... My- it's I- better than The Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. And- because it takes risks. Yes, and I think lots of Star Wars fans moaned it, but I feel like they, Disney would have... Though we would still be moaning about it if The Last Jedi was good. But yeah. The Last Jedi was terrible. So I, I like The Last the, Jedi, The Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, I like The Last Jedi. I don't like The Rise of Skywalker. Um, I mean, I don't love either of them. Yeah, I don't love any Star Wars film. I just, like, thought that was... I could watch that. <laughs> Anyway, let's Right, that interview. Yes. Now, I'm going to have to be brutally honest here. I did not watch it. I watched an amazing episode of MasterChef instead. Um, I think Megan has been treated appallingly by the press, and if some of the allegations are true, I'd feel really bad for her. But it's not that I hate the royals, and it's not that I love them. It is I physically could not give a, any less of a shit about them. Yeah, you've written here, everyone's take on the Meghan and Harry interview. Charlotte, Jacob, Ben, you've written, I don't care. I watched MasterChef instead. But I do believe Meghan has been treated accordingly. Yeah, I'm team that Meghan happens. all the way, if that's the thing. I mean, but... I'm team Meghan. I am team Meghan, you know. However, there are certain things with the royal family that, like, they moved away from England to get away from the press. Yet they're doing this interview, they're doing a Netflix series. That, to me, personally, doesn't seem to make sense. And also, she said some silly things, in my opinion, like she didn't Google the royal family. Yeah, um, there's there's other things from a pure... I have... I've been on the internet the last two days, and I've seen clips, and I've read the talking points. And it's just been everywhere. Yeah, it's just... You couldn't avoid it. So I didn't feel like I needed to watch it, because I felt like I knew what happened. A few things... Um, Just... um, The couple of things... I don't agree with Piers Morgan when he said I don't believe she's suicidal but no, I do I we'll do agree yeah him. we'll get to him but I do agree with him that she should have said names because yeah I think and I think that Oprah um who is a great interviewer she is Fantastic. a great absolutely in the fantastic. 80s and that's 90s in the 80s that's and the first 90s time I've seen Oprah's work for a long time but there's a but here yeah I thought that that was a pale from what I've seen and I've seen I think I've seen like 30 40 minutes of the two hour thing I think that was a pale imitation of Oprah for one reason yeah in the past she would be your friend she would listen to you but she would always ask the right questions and the hard questions and get the good answers and I felt like there were so many points in this interview where she didn't push it. Um, she could have went further and got to a more interesting, nuanced place instead of what, in my opinion, turned out to be a two-hour tell-all, lots of big, flashy headlines, but not much details and depth and substance and flavour. 
And um, See, that's I, also I that's thought... also to do with the fact that they had four hours. I would be far more interested, yeah, in watching all four hours of their sit-down conversation, yeah, even with ads in the middle, than watching a like Mate, there was hour. An ad seven minutes in. Yeah, I would be far more interested in watching that than watching like what would turn out to be an hour and fifteen minutes edited best bits because you don't get to the you, you don't know what's left out, which means you don't know how to believe what's in. Right, 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 right. Yeah, man, I get that, I get that. But I thought she was, um, okay, for me, she was just an outstanding interviewer. Oh, yeah, Maybe, even Bad Oprah's great. Even Bad Oprah uh, is better than she, most other people. Her infam- infamous line, were you silent or were you silenced? Yeah, that was such an... But oh, also, my... God, it's, that made, that just hit differently. Yeah, it's the moments where she listened and she was quiet, and so many journalists can learn from that. But you know, here's the brutal truth: Piers it may Morgan been, can learn from that. Piers Morgan could definitely learn from watching Oprah. Like he should have no. took he should have took actual lessons from watching the documentary instead of just shit talking it. Was just incredible, incredible, and she. Oprah was uh, openly saying things like she wasn't taking a s- stance in the argument either, um, except from when they mentioned that they like said something inappropriate. But she about, didn't advert uh, Megan and Harry's son being coloured. She didn't advertently like, take a stance. Like she was. Yeah. Like she can say, Only "I'm about not the taking." Colours, though, in my opinion, only about the colours. Yeah, the but colours. not just just by getting that interview. She inevitably took Harry and Meghan's side, and she didn't push on some of the some of the bigger allocation. The fact she didn't push points did make it quite a comfortable interview. It wasn't like Emily Maitlis interviewing Prince Andrew last year, which was the greatest interview well, I've ever seen. It was not that. If you're interested in journalism, which I am, I felt like she kind of really wanted the interview to go ahead so didn't want to like upset megan yeah and that's the problem she was um tapping uh walking on eggshells yeah and that's the that's kind of the problem with the whole thing that you know megan's had an awful time i'm really sorry if she felt suicidal i'm really sorry if racist stuff was said but the interview was soft felt she had nowhere to turn and the tabloids Um, in this country were appalling the media was shitty to this her. This is where they weren't at the start. They were great to her. Yeah, but it turned. Then something changed. Something changed. Yeah, I'm. I'm I, not. I don't know what it was, but just something changed. I don't know if her attitude changed. I don't know, but the UK's perception on her changed dramatically. Yeah, and I think it was lots. I do think. You read some of the headlines towards her compared to what Kate got, and they were horrible. It's also yeah. worth to be noted, yeah, um, mm. the big headline, they weren't going to give Louis a title or money because of his race. That's not true. The reason is because he's a great-grandchild of a heir. So Harry gets it because he's the grandchild. But as Harry's and never going when, to... When... Um, is it Charles becomes king? Yeah. I think he will then get a title, right? Yes, when Charles becomes king, he will get a title and security. 
Yeah. Mm. If I but think until that's, that moment. Yeah, and I yeah until that moment he doesn't because he is not close enough to the queen under their rules to keep the thing. It's under the and he's not going, and he's not like a direct descendant of an heir either. So he's not like yeah. Louis and Charlotte, but who are Will's kids and will be king uh, one day. I personally, I didn't like how um, Meghan was openly disrespecting some male, uh, members of the royal family. I, in my opinion, felt like that wasn't necessary. Like, you know, we don't know everything that went on and it just felt like Harry and Meghan had no respect for William. I felt like Harry was trying to be more diplomatic. From, I do. And yeah. I think Oprah was, in a weird way, stopping him being more diplomatic. I felt like Harry, you could see he was hurting in that interview. Yeah, and the bits about Charles must have been awful for him. Also, And when I, they spoke about Diana as well. Yeah, I'm not one of the people who's like, they should not have aired it because Prince Philip's in hospital. But I am... I think it was just, bad timing. I am just going to... I'm going to say, like... It's pretty shameless, and this isn't Meghan and Harry's fault. They probably could have pulled it, but this is Oprah's fault and it's the network's fault. If you're going to so blatantly attack someone, doing it while her husband's on the near death is actually quite, in my opinion, in bad taste. And that's not Harry and Meghan's fault. That is Oprah's fault, and that's the network's fault. That needs to be specified. But, you know, because they could have pushed it back. They could have pushed it back until whatever, until it's a nicer time. Did Oprah's production company uh, do the interview, or was she yes. employed by the network? Oprah's production company did the interview, and they sold it to the network. Right. So, you know, um, Oprah's production company. Oh. I'm sorry, I did not hear you there. So, um, just while we get Jacob back on the line, um, there's a bit more news that's happened. Uh, if you're British, you know that. Um, Piers Morgan's a very controversial figure, and he was sacked earlier. If you're a regular listener to the podcast... Hey, Ben, can you hear me, man? You're back now. Hello. Um, was he sacked or did he walk? Dun-dun-dun. This is how we're going to know, yeah? If he walked, mm. he will not be able to work on TV for a couple of months. That would have been in his contract. Yeah, it's the same in radio. They have what is called gardening leave. Yeah, so if he walked, he will be on gardening leave till the end of the year. If he was sacked, he will well, probably... Do you think the whole of 2021, he won't be able to work? I'm sure he would have quite a hefty period of gardening leave. Because I know stop, in radio, it's usually he would... six months. Yeah, it'll be like six months, and then that's, what, October? Right. Like, they would have had a hefty gardening leave on him to stop him going to someone like Rupert Murdoch's new GB News which is launching in a couple of months so if when that launches I think it's launching in April Piers Morgan's on the slate then we all know he was sacked if he's not on the slate but he joined the crew in October we all know he walked is essentially how we do it if I was them I'd push back the launch till October just with him at the helm because Nobody likes a station, uh, a station, a channel which is going to take a while to bed in, have a lineup changed after a few months anyway. Yeah, I mean, it's already signed a couple of big right wing names. It signed Andrew Neil. It signed Tom Hayward. Um, 
it's looking like they're going to sign a few more of those far-right nutbags. Um, I'm slightly terrified if they do sign Piers Morgan because he will be seen as their guy on the left. Um, Who will be able to say whatever he wants. Yeah. Oh, which is, like, he's been you know great what? at holding the government... Piers Morgan's a good guy. I don't think Piers Morgan's a good okay. guy. Okay, he's been great at holding the government like to account, but I've said this for a long time. And I've said this on the pod a couple of times. He's a horrible, horrible person. My ambition is for him to block me on Twitter. I respect, well, which he probably will. He loves blocking people. Yeah, he does. It's like all you'll then screenshot the block thing and uh, be like, "Oh, Piz Morgan blocked me," and he'll like retweet it or something. Um, thing is, Piz Morgan. Some of the things he's done, I respect him for, and I. But he's not. I don't believe he's fundamentally the nicest person, and. But having said that, I love watching him on Good Morning Britain because he's entertaining to watch in the morning. He's not boring. He's not dull, which in my opinion, breakfast TV shouldn't be dull and boring. It should push boundaries, not to the extent that Piers has recently, but it should push boundaries. It should get you talking. Yeah, he wasn't... It should rip you in. It should make you be like, yes, Piers, I agree with that. Or no, 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 no. You know, gets people talking. It gets people watching. He wasn't the most viewed guy. Um, it was not the most viewed channel ratings, but he did make Good Morning Britain the most talked about, which... Um, the thing is, um, also, you've got to look, more people look at the Good Morning clips on YouTube than they do the BBC uh, News uh, clips in the morning. Also, Good Morning Britain ratings went through the roof with uh, with Piers at the helm. Yeah, but uh, they, they wouldn't have went much higher. Um, here's the thing. They wouldn't have went much higher because they were, firstly, BBC Breakfast's ratings. Good Morning Britain's ratings were rising, but they weren't coming from people leaving BBC Breakfast. Um, right. BBC Breakfast kept its high ratings. Actually, their ratings increased most of the times. Good Morning Britain's ratings the increased. The younger people watch Good Morning Britain. That's what I found. Yeah, that's probably true, but there will be a point in people's lives when they start trusting BBC News. Like, you will get to a point where you have a... when you hit your kind of late 30s and then your 40s I and mean, your 50s. I mean, I personally don't agree with some of the BBC's coverage of the Black Lives Matter movement. For example, a white person saying the N-word. That doesn't sit well with Yeah, that, that was a mistake. Um, but, you know... And it's not good enough, in my opinion. No, it's not good enough. That was a mistake and it's not good enough. But... All, all these networks make lots of huge mistakes all the time. And the fact that ITV has to remember with their morning shows, yeah, that they right. w- they are going up against arguably the most respected news organisation worldwide. BBC I wouldn't news, say arguably, I'd say the. Everyone yeah, BBC the- News is so respected all around the globe. They, they know BBC not just for the Cards Against Humanity card, BBC. Yeah, it's... It's known over here for its content, but globally it's known for its news. Um, so, yeah. so like, there is a certain point that however hard ITV push it, like, anyone who wants news in the morning, yeah, like, anyone who wants news over entertainment will go to the place that's known to be the best in the world. <laughs> yeah, like, I never look at ITV News, the website. Website, BBC News. I mean, ITV can do quite good coverage. Their election coverage, in I, 
whenever there's an election, one of the things that I stay at UK, US, and one of the things I do is I flick through the coverages to compare them out of interest. And ITV see, normally I, does the better coverage. See, I feel like ITV, their budget is bigger than the Beebs. I'm, I'm not sure how big the budget is. I would, but if you look at ITV's lineup, you know, all those big shows they've got, presenters on huge. Oh, their salaries. general budget? Yeah. Yeah, not their news budget. No, their general budget. Because BBC is a rolling news channel, its news budget will be much higher. Yes. Um, but I think in general, ITV, their budget, it's huge. Um, can we talk about replacements for the, for Piers Morgan, please? Yes. Um, so Ben and I have been, you know, messaging for a good two hours this evening discussing potential replacements. I have two. Um, I, I'm thinking Jeremy Kyle. Or Matthew Wright. Yes, I think Matthew Wright could do it because he left his Channel 5 show. Um, the thing is, I don't think he'd be a huge ratings pull because the Wright show was never the biggest rating show. Um, and the thing with Jeremy Kyle, yeah. It's why his show got cancelled. Yeah, his his show got cancelled. We don't need to relive it. I missed the Jeremy Kyle show. It was a great show, but it should have been cancelled. And he's covered Good Morning Britain. I thought he did a blow. But he good covered show, Good Morning Britain while the Jeremy Kyle show was going on. Oh, he's not covered it since. No, he's not covered it since. And the what's pro- he been doing? Well, he's been unable to work because the problem the problem he has, yeah, it was he hosted right. the show, he produced the show, he presented the show. It had his name on it, and did it he did some, it? yeah. So he was so involved in it, and the practices it did were so despicable. I don't think, and I do think there was a genuine element of he now knows he won't be able to work again. And he won't be able to walk into a job when the last guy's been fired for saying they don't believe someone who's suicidal. Considering Jeremy Kyle did practices that could be argued led someone to commit suicide. I mean, to be honest with you, I don't think we can blame Kyle for that. Um... Well, yes and no. The person... No, because they agreed to taking a lie detector test. They agreed to going on the show. But the Jeremy Carr show, the show, they would lock the people in a hotel for two weeks before and they would pick people based off what medication they were on. You know? So picking wow. people who are deliberately... They picked people who were deliberately mentally unstable, spent the best part of two weeks riling them up. Yeah? Mm-hmm. And... To get the big confrontational moments, yeah. But make good telly, which it does. It did, it made great telly. But the practices they made were, when they came out, were so frowned upon. For good reason. They they literally, could you imagine how much shit Love Island would get if they didn't pick people based off Instagram, they picked people based off who's the most mentally unwell. Like, you know, it's, the practices were... And now, for Love Island, you have to pass a strict psychiatric test. Yeah, on any, any other show, you have to pass a strict psychiatric test. On Kai, you oh, have to I fail say, it. Can I say, while we're on Love Island, how incredible is Dr Alex George? Yeah, I mean, fair fair play to the guy. Yeah. yeah. Didn't he host a government think, briefing? Who do you think is going to take over Good Morning Britain, then? Um, well, I think because he's been... The old guy has been racist and misogynistic on his way out. Yeah. Who? Piers Morgan. Um, Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think the best person they could go with 
is Ranvia Sin. She would, I hope I'd pronounce her surname, but I don't have it on our notes correctly. She's having a huge boost of popularity having done Strictly, which is a different right. market. Yeah. So I think she's Kate a beloved, she's be a beloved, but... yeah, she's a beloved member of the Good Morning Britain family. She also True. is something that ITV don't have on their lineup unless it's Friday, which is a person of colour. Like getting very, and she would be great, and she come and she's comes from a proper political background, so yeah, she could do the good. test. Also, uh, other out there choices include Sean Fletcher, who's come with the show before. Uh, what's his name, Ben? Who's the guy that you think could take over? That had the row with Piers. Um, the weatherman. <laughs> I don't know his name. I don't watch Good Morning Britain. I watch BBC Breakfast because I'm a serious adult. Um. Um, yes, a serious adult. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> I have... Um, I have Adel Ray also in the running as yeah. well. Uh, a couple of out there choices for you. Uh, what's his name? Richard Magley. I think he's too old. I think he could get... He's a, For the next six months, he could. He's a TV legend. He's host, he's yeah. guest hosted it. Um, okay, there'll what's be... I reckon the person they'll be pissed has gone. Yeah. They'll be pissed. Um, Steph McGovern has been poached by Channel Four, I think. Okay. I think yeah. if this had happened a year earlier, they would have poached her, because she's amazing. Yeah. Um. Yeah, Naga. Maybe they'd try and poach Naga, but she's just had a promotion. Could you beat. see Eamon Holmes doing it again? No, I couldn't. What about Lorraine? No, because she is her own show. Um. Yeah. I think they'll keep it in-house. I do think they will just promote someone who does the daily, which is why I think it will be one of Kate or Ranvia, ultimately. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be it's going to be interesting. There are so uh, so many potential options. Right, it's the LCE Film Podcast with Ben and Jacob. Uh, we're going to talk about the BAFTA nominations in a bit, but first, let's review Coming to America. Yes, so this is the sequel on Amazon to the classic Eddie Murphy film, Coming to America. This one is spelt with a two um, in the middle, because puns. Um, so the titles phonetically sound the same, which is the world's shittest idea ever. Um, it's set in the lush and royal country of Zamunda, and the newly crowned King Akim, Eddie Murphy, who we saw as Prince Akim last time, 30 years ago, is and his trusted con- uh, friend, Semi, Arsenal Halls, are back in an all-new hilarious adventure which sees them travelling from the globe and the great African nation of Zamunda trying to defeat um, the new general uh, from Nextoria. They have a general country called Nextoria in this film, which is the best gag in the whole film, played by um, Wesley Snipes, who's great, um, and some lots of plot points that happen. Um, it's it's arrived at the right time because lockdown shit and this film is so watchable and there is literally no drama happens in it. Things don't get too dangerous, they don't get too dicey, they don't get too complicated. Um it's like it cheers you up. It does. Um I mean, I can't imagine Oh yeah, I've seen the adverts for this all yeah. over all four. I wouldn't watch this over the original film. Um the original coming to America is hilarious and this is just okay um it stays true to eddie murphy's sense of humor it's goofy like it was in the 80s um it's a little more self-aware it's damn funny 
it does there's a few laughs but it's not as good as the 1988 predecessor and i would just say watch that and this film does fall into the trap that if you have a long-awaited sequel that happens 10 or 20 years after the previous film and they have that conversation we've all seen films who part do the conversation where they're like all Hollywood does is turn out sequels and remakes and reboots and they're so pointless and from my personal experience if that conversation is happening yeah the film isn't yeah. very good it's like if I mean, I yeah, I I see your point. Yeah. If if you have to, if that conversation's happening, normally it means avoid the fucking film. I get you. No, I liked I liked coming to America, but it is not as good as the original, which is amazing. And uh, I yeah, like I said, I seen the trailers for it all over all four. It looks great visually. It looks great. oh, visually it's stunning. Great. Visually it's stunning. Some of the jokes do land, but lots of the jokes are so tied into the first film anyway. It's like the jokes. Which I kind of like. I kind of like that. Yeah, but just watch the because first film. Because you see film. so many films these days completely disregarding their previous episode. Yeah, but this is basically doing the same thing twice. A bit like Jumanji. Yeah, but with the literal same cast. I mean, right. there's there's a fine line between staying true to something and... But, you know, this is real, really. It's like, watch the original. It's much better. And considering the set two sound the same, like, as well. <laughs> like, they practically have the same title. What? Yeah, but what? Yeah. the other thing I'll say about Coming to America, which I did like, yeah, I did like it, but it's titled also a lie, because they only spend about 10 minutes in America. <laughs> like, he literally, it's like 20 minutes into the film, he goes to America, goes, I'm back, and then with it, by the next 10 minutes, he's back in Zamunda, talking to Wesley Slipes about Nextoria, you know. I mean, that's quite funny. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I don't know what to say about that. <laughs> Um, but yeah, overall, it's a good film, Ben. Yeah, it's a, it's a okay film. It, it's Did watchable. you enjoy watching it? I, I enjoyed watching it. I had fun. I I back to backed it with the original. Uh, at, but and, and you got to say the original is better. Yeah? yeah, the original's better. Just watch the original. You'll you'll have a much better time. Probably watch the original twice. You'd have a better time. It is that good. <laughs> Amazing. Well, I will be looking uh, to check them both out. Right, Ben, massive news this week. BAFTA nominations. Yes, the BAFTAs had their nom- announced their nominations today. They did something slightly differently this year. They had juried categories for acting and directing because last year they had no black actors and no women nominated as directors. And in that fact, yeah. Yeah. They have done really well in just... It's like they've almost went the other way. Like, there are... There's, Which I don't think is a necessarily good thing either. I mean, look, I'm not going to say anything because it's years of the other... Years of the other ways happened. But, look, yeah. I don't mind it. And all the nominees are... Just, all the nominees I've seen... All the nominees I've cool. seen are deserving. I'd love it to be like 50-50. I think that would be amazing. Yeah. Uh, there are lots of great nominees. Um, Rocks, which was really high on our list last year. It was like fourth, I think. Yeah. Uh, led the way with seven nominations. That film is amazing. It is so underrated. I was so happy with it. 
I was so happy it got a best director nom. It got the two lead. It got the lead girl and the teenage and the supporting girl. And so I was really happy with that. Um, and if that's the result of these juried systems, that is great news. Like, if it can get underrated British films in, and if BAFTAs this year they were like, you know, we're normally just the best Oscar precursor. But this year they were like, no, we don't want to be known as an Oscar precursor. We want to pick some of the best films, which they did. And lots of great films um, got in. What I will say, though, yeah, is I do think they could have had more British representation in there. Um, And I think there will be Brits who may not win Oscars now because they were snubbed at BAFTAs to make way for these hugely diverse lineups, which were a good thing, in my opinion, and much better than last year. The thing is, the thing, the problem is, I'm all for diversity. I'm so for it. But the the problem is that when it's not like bad performances we're getting in. When an organisation like BAFTA fucks up on it, they obviously want to redeem themselves. But I think they go too far the other way, which in a way draws like makes it seem unreal in a way yeah it's it drives cynicism and i think everyone should be treated the same yeah um i do think that the diverse lineup's really good yeah i do think they were i do think it's a really good lineup i haven't seen all the films the films i have seen i really enjoyed um but you know the fact of the 24 actors only five of them were british and only one of the directors is british if you're jurying it to get a more diverse nominations lineup, um, if you're jurying it to get a more diverse nominations lineup, then make sure you represent Britain and have lots of British filmmakers in there. That's my personal take. Um, you know, someone like Carrie Mulligan, promising young woman, makes it into best film um, and best screenplay, but Emerald Fennell misses best director and Carrie Mulligan misses best actress. Um, which I think is criminal um, because those two should should both get in the Oscars races and might not now because they didn't get the boost from BAFTA. Um, same with Olivia Coleman, who should have got in for The Father. Sasha Baron Cohen, who should have got in for The Trial of the Chicago 7. Kingsley Benadir, who is seemingly the only actor on the long list from a diverse background who didn't get nominated, should have got in for his amazing turn in as Malcolm X in the... One Night in Miami. I'm so frustrated he's not getting any uh, awards love. And also St. Maud, which I saw in cinemas at the end of last year, was also so good. And I would have loved Moyford Clark and Rose Glass getting as lead actress and directing. And look, those they're British nominees who are all so deserving of awards. Some of them have been snubbed because they're getting in other places. And the BAFTA film is now doing what BAFTA TV does, which is basically saying, if you get in at American Awards, we don't want you um, because you get recognised. So we want to recognise other people, which is great. But why didn't you give Kinkley Benedict and Moyford Clark and Rose Glass nominations? And it's just telling. The problem is there's always people that are going to be missed out. Yes, the problem is I am an active supporter. You can't nominate everybody. Yeah, I'm an active supporter of saying, why don't we just do, like, top tens? Like, why don't we just do ten best actors, ten best directors, ten best supporting actresses? Just have big... Because so many people do such great work. Just recognise everyone. Like, or recognise as many people as possible for nominations. Um, You can't nominate anyone. And for once, 
it is it is a nice change to not be to be moaning that the people who are snubbed are all white. Like that is quite a nice change. Um, it's 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 yeah, not. It's been, a, it's been a mad week. It's been such a heavy week this week. Yeah. Oh, I've got an essay to write tomorrow because it's due enough. But what are you going to do before you write the essay, Ben? I'm going to watch the circle. circle. And then I, mean, I have mate, to go back enjoy. to writing an essay on Nazi propaganda for Thursday, which oh, I've not wrote. Oh, that sounds fun. Oh, what fun. Uh, wrapping up another week here on the RTP Film Podcast. We will, of course, be back next week. Fingers for Charlotte. It's feeling a little bit better. She's texting me saying, I'm really sorry I couldn't make the podcast. I feel so ill. I'm just curled up in a ball. Yeah. Um, I mean, Ooh, fair from, well from next week, yeah, um, I think, because Oscar nominations next Monday, so from next week, um, we'll be discussing actual films that have been nominated for actual Best Picture. We're going to take the Very. ones that are released in the UK one by one, uh, real deep dives into them. Discuss what it should very, win, what it shouldn't win. Very, I'm very, very excited about that, Ben. It's going to be great. Yeah, and you and Charlotte are expected to watch all these films. Just Yeah, man, as long as you give me notice. I, I will give you notice. I'll send you like a full-on doc of everything that's happening. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I will watch. I will watch. But I may not be as analytical as you, Ben. That's fine. That's fine. Anyway, um, lovely listeners. Ben, thanks so much. Lovely chatting to you, mate. Yep. Uh, speak soon. Fingers crossed the Wi-Fi is better next week. See you soon. Goodbye. Thanks Bye. for listening.